Acts. I invite you to turn over to Acts chapter 2. We're taking a look at the first 12 verses together. Acts chapter 2 begins like this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole, out, whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, in Pamphylia, Egypt, in the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are seated today, we do have Kingdom Kids, so we invite all the kiddos who are four years old through second grade to join our Kingdom Kids workers right over here. And they're gonna head to our Christian Life Center next door upstairs. They're gonna have a chance to worship and learn at their level. Uh, one quick announcement before we continue in the service today. Next Sunday at 9.45 a.m we will have what we call an exploring membership class. So if you are among those who have been new or somewhat new to First Baptist Kennedy over the past uh, several months or maybe even longer, and you'd like to know a little bit more about our church and our ministries and programs and how you can get plugged in, particularly how you might be a part of the membership of our church, there will be an opportunity for us to have a great conversation together and for you to get to know some other folks that are new to the church. So if that's you, we invite you to come next Sunday. We're going to meet at 9.45 a.m. over in our CLC Christian Life Center right next door. And if you would, just to give me a heads up that you're going to be there and I can prepare for you uh, with some breakfast snacks and such, you can take your connection card that Rosemary pointed out earlier. It's perforated, tears right off. And you can just put your information at the top and check the box at the very bottom that says exploring membership. Now just a quick word on that. Attending doesn't mean you become a member, doesn't commit you to anything. It's just a chance for us to visit and learn about First Baptist Kennedy. So, so I hope you will uh, check that box and be a part of that next Sunday, 945. And there are a few more details if you need them in our bulletin. Okay, so we are shifting gears, y'all. We have worked through the Gospels of the New Testament, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And now we are into the book of Acts. Now, we are doing a Bible reading plan together. You can find a copy of those plans in the foyer. You can pick one up and take it with you. And each week we are reading through chapters of the New Testament as well as Psalms and Proverbs. And I am preaching primarily out of the scripture reading from the New Testament, which is now into the book of Acts. And the book of Acts uh, sometimes is called Acts 
the Acts of the Apostles, because that's what we're reading about. We're reading about the last few moments of Jesus on earth before he ascends to be with the Father, and then he leaves the disciples and the apostles with a great mission to take the good news that he has presented to them, the good news about himself, into their world, right? And so as Jesus is sending them out, we can rightly call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles. But I have heard it said, and I think this is more accurate, is really what the book of Acts is about is it's, the, it's a book about the Acts of the Holy Spirit. When you look at the book of Acts, you are going to find a lot of mention about the Holy Spirit. And so on the front end of that, I want to take an opportunity to talk about the Holy Spirit. I was doing just a little, this is just my own little research, okay? I'm sure there's other mentions of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. But if you just look for the phrase Holy Spirit, now sometimes the Holy Spirit is just called the Spirit in the Bible. And often in the New Testament, that will be capitalized. But if you just did a word search in BibleGateway.com, which I love to use, and you just looked up Holy Spirit, you would find Holy Spirit is mentioned 96 times in the New Testament. Guess how many of those times are in the book of Acts? 42 mentions of those 96 times is found in the book of Acts. That's 44% of the time when you find the, uh, the proper title, Holy Spirit, in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, that comes from the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is really about the work of the Holy Spirit through the disciples and through the apostles in the early church. And this book of Acts is actually a sequel, believe it or not. It's the second book to, one of the, to the first book, the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. If I were to ask you, some of you may know, uh, who wrote most of the New Testament? Do you know? Most of the time we say Paul, but that's not accurate. Paul wrote the most books or letters of the New Testament. When we're talking just word count, it's actually Luke, because he wrote a long Gospel of Luke, and he wrote a long 28 chapters about the acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples and apostles in the early church. So Luke has an incredible influence on us, rightfully so, through the work of the Holy Spirit, to show us the work of the Holy Spirit. And we want to just pause and, and look at kind of a big picture of who the Spirit is. What does the Spirit do? And how can we partner with the Holy Spirit to do what He intends to do? All right, so that's where we're going today. We're going to take a look at that and uh, focusing not just in Acts chapter 2, but I want to try to take a look at the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts, and then we'll touch on a few verses here and there as well. So let's just take a moment and let's pray together before we dive into God's Word. Would you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for your Word and how you share with us who you are and what you did then and what you intend to do now. Now we thank you that it gives us instruction, it gives us comfort, it gives us direction. Your word gives us hope and peace and joy and life. Now your word is inspired by your Holy Spirit and it's how you intend to speak in our lives in a most fundamental way. And so God, as we come to your word and we want to understand what it has to say about the spirit, we pray that your spirit would be at work in this place. God, that you would open our minds, focus it in on you, that you'd soften our hearts to receive what you have to say to us, and that you'd ready our hands and feet to take what you share with us today and live it out in our lives. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So who is the Holy Spirit? And that is the right word, as we're going to see today. A who, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. We talk about it like this, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Trinity, you won't find that word in the Bible, but you'll find the evidence of that word in the Bible. That, that we have a God who is one God who exists in three persons. And I've said this before. If you ask me to adequately explain that to you, I could not. It is a mystery. Every way in which I've heard people explain the Holy Spirit always falls short because we cannot explain this incredible mystery of God that somehow He exists as one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and then what we often call God the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. But we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working throughout the Bible, not just in the New Testament, but we see evidence of all three at work from the beginning of time. And the Holy Spirit is often the one that gets left out and we're unsure about. And we don't know much about this Holy Spirit and what he's up to and what he intends to do and, and how we can partner with him and experience him in our lives. And, and so we want to just take a moment today and talk a little bit about this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus is the one that says, I'm going to give the Spirit to you. And when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit shows up, when the Spirit is present, it is God showing up. The Holy Spirit is somehow the manifestation of the presence of God as the person of the Spirit. When we see things happening in the New Testament, incredible miracles taking place, when we see the, the disciples, the apostles speaking in languages that were not their own, and yet somehow, in some way, what they were talking about God was translated into the language in which they could hear, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is showing up and presenting to us the very presence of God in our midst. And Jesus says that this Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's main intention is to draw our attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's main intention is to draw our attention to Jesus. Jesus says this in John 15, verse 26 and 27. He says, I will send you the Spirit who comes from the Father and shows what is true. The Spirit will help you and tell you about me. This is Jesus saying this. The Holy Spirit's going to come and tell you about me. Then you will also tell others about me because you have seen me from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is showing us who Jesus is and enabling us to tell the world who Jesus is. And this takes place on Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish festival. It's called Pentecost because it rep uh, the word there behind Pentecost means 50. It takes place 50 days after the Passover feast, and it's one of the great harvest festivals of the Jewish people. Three harvest festivals a year they would have, and there were pilgrimage festivals, meaning everyone would come from Jews and God-fearers, which is another way of saying Gentiles who had converted or had, who had come close to converting to Judaism. They hadn't gone all the way to converting to Judaism, but they worshiped the God of the Old Testament. Those folks would come to Jerusalem to worship God on these great holidays, these great festivals, and Pentecost was one of them. And basically what they're doing is they're gathering in Jerusalem to thank God for the harvest. And this was a wheat harvest festival, and so they're thanking God that God has provided for them what they need for life. 
And I don't think that's a coincidence that this is the exact uh, festival in which God gives them the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is regenerating in us new eternal life because of what Christ has done for us. So we see this miracle taking place. God showing up. The Holy Spirit landing on the disciples and the apostles, enabling them to talk about the miracles of God that we see in the life and death and resurrection, and yes, even in the ascension of Jesus. And we see the Holy Spirit is using these folks to share the good news, just as Jesus had promised them. that This is what the Holy Spirit will do. The main intention of the Holy Spirit is to draw our attention to Jesus. And that's what's happening on this day at Pentecost. As the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is enabling the disciples and the apostles to spread the good news about Jesus. Now, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Jesus not only prophesied this in John 15, but if you go to the very beginning of Acts, you see that Jesus is telling them. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, Acts 1, 5, or middle way through verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift... From my, that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying to his disciples, right now, keep in mind, he has already died, he is resurrected, he's about to ascend and be in the presence of God, his Father. He says, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I promise you, I, the Father, we are sending you the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a gift. I think that's worth pointing out because when we forget about the Holy Spirit, when we ignore the Holy Spirit, when we miss out on the Spirit's work in our life, we're missing out on a gift that Jesus intended for us to have. You know, when you're given a gift, a great gift, moms, I hope you're getting some good gifts today. I hope so. Something, right? At least some of you got some breakfast or some flowers or some chocolates or something. But when you get a good gift, you don't just leave it there. You don't leave it in the box. You unwrap it. You open it. You enjoy it, right? You want to get the most out of that gift. And the gift giver, that's exactly what they want you to do, right? When someone gives you a gift, they want you to open it. They want you to enjoy it. They want you to wear it out. Right? They want to see the joy on your face as you are experiencing their love through that gift. Right? Well, Something similar is taking place here in this gift of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus and the Father are wanting to give us this gift. And it's not a thing. Okay? It is a person. But he wants, they want to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And when we forget about the Spirit, when we ignore the Spirit, when we, when we don't appreciate the Spirit's work in our life, and my goodness, when we dampen the Spirit's work in our life, we're missing out on a great gift that God the Father and God the Son have gone in together to secure for us. And Jesus says, when you get this gift, when you receive the power from the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit's main intention is to draw our attention to Jesus that we might proclaim Jesus wherever we go and that's what's taking place on this particular day in Pentecost is the Holy Spirit comes down for the first time in this very unique way in the Old Testament the Spirit was active and the Spirit would come in and out of people's lives 
But in this moment, the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell in those who trust Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will never leave them. The Holy Spirit is coming. God, the Spirit, is coming to dwell in the believers who have trusted in Jesus, and the Spirit is never going to leave them. Now, that is new and different. That has never taken place before. In the Old Testament, the Spirit did not come and dwell internally in a person, never to leave them again, no matter what. The Spirit was always moving and acting in condition with how people responded to God. But now for the first time, it's that first response to Jesus. When the Spirit draws our attention to Him and we receive Jesus, and we accept what Jesus has done for us on the cross, dying for our sins, and we place our hope in the resurrection that His life is now our life. He rose from the dead, therefore we have eternal life. When that happens, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And we've got this Holy Spirit. We've got the presence of God with us. And He'll never leave. Now that doesn't mean that our experience of the Holy Spirit will always be at the highest possible level. That we'll always be aware of the Spirit and what He's doing in our life. That's not the case as we're going to see in just a moment. But it does mean the Holy Spirit comes into a believer's life and will never leave us. And in this way, Jesus is saying, God is always with you as a Christian. So what is the Spirit doing? What is the Spirit up to? Now, I want to take a brief look through the book of Acts and point out some things the Spirit does. This is not... It would take probably every sermon in the remainder of this year and more to talk about all the things the Spirit does, okay? So it's, it's impossible in one sermon to outline that. But I want to take a look at some things that we see the Spirit doing specifically in Acts. Because we can talk about the Holy Spirit, we can talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, well, what is it actually, what does He actually look like? What is He doing? I want to go back to a verse I mentioned a minute ago. Because one of the things the Spirit does is empower us. Empower us to do God's will. Empower us to be witnesses. Empower us to honor and live like Jesus. The Holy Spirit intends to empower us. But you will receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you know, if you're like me, some days I feel powerful. I feel like I can do this. I've got this. I can handle this. No problem, right? In other days, I think, no chance. I don't even want to get out of bed. It's pointless. I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. This is too much for me, right? And those days are the more accurate days. That's when I'm seeing things more clearly. When I get to that point where I realize I can't do this. Guess who can do that in me? The Holy Spirit. One of the great gifts of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, we have the power of God in us. We have access to the power of God to do the will of God and represent Jesus to the world around us. And I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me. That does sound like a gift to me, to have that empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that's exactly what the Spirit intends to do. The second thing, and I'm going to mention four. I'm going to mention four things that we see in the book of Acts. Again, this is not the only things. This is just a sampling of the things that the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit encourages us. Acts 9.31, we read, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the ability to encourage us. Sometimes that happens just internally. We just 
ask for encouragement, we feel a sense of encouragement. Sometimes that happens as the Holy Spirit draws us to the Word of God and we read something in the Bible. And man, we needed to hear that today. And that encourages us. I, I will tell you, there's been times where I felt so discouraged and I just cry out to God, God, you got to send some encouragement my way. And, and that's happened three or four times in my life where I just get really low and I just ask God for that encouragement. And every time, you know what God the, the Spirit did? God the Father sent God the Spirit to talk to someone to encourage me. And someone will send me a text, someone will shoot me an email, someone will give me a phone call, they'll come by. And all three or four times that I can think of where I felt super discouraged and I've asked God to help me, the Father sent the Spirit and the Spirit sent someone to encourage me. If you are discouraged today, you can ask God the Father to send the Spirit to encourage you. Because we're all going to get discouraged at some point in life. We're all going to feel that discouragement. And we have access to the Spirit who can encourage us. Sometimes it just means asking and looking for the encouragement of the Spirit. So some things we see in the book of Acts that the Spirit does. The Spirit empowers us. The Spirit encourages us. The Spirit gives us wisdom as well. That's the third thing. The Holy Spirit gave irrefutable wisdom to a guy named Stephen. Now one of the places that we read through this past week... Sometimes we refer to it as the calling of the deacons, the first deacons in the church. Although that name, the official title for a deacon isn't used in Acts chapter 6. Uh, but the work of a deacon, which is the word itself means to serve. So the servants that they called forth to help, help administer food to the widows who, who had gathered in Jerusalem for this great festival. They're converted, they become Christians, and they're just sticking around because they're hungry for what Jesus has to offer. And, and, and because some of them had little means, as they're just staying in the city, the, the, those who were there, the apostles, the disciples, and others, begin to realize we've got we've to help these folks out, we've got to help these widows out. And there was, some, there was some confusion and frustration, people diff speaking different languages, different backgrounds, caused all these problems. And so they said, you know what, we need to have a group of people who study the word and pray so that they can shepherd and guide the church. Those would be the apostles, we may call them, you know, something else today, but that was the apostles' job. And we need another group of people who can help minister to these folks who are in need, these, these uh, widows who are in need. And so those servants who ministered to those widows were men who were full of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a lesser job. It wasn't any less important. It was just a different role. And, and the church, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they say, we need men who are full of the Holy Spirit for this important work. And one of those guys' name was Stephen. You may know Stephen uh, as the first Christian martyr recorded in Scripture. Stephen is bold. The Holy Spirit gives him such boldness to share what Jesus has done. And the Holy Spirit also gave Stephen incredible wisdom. Acts 6.10, he's experiencing opposition, and this is what the Scriptures say about Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Wisdom is not just knowing the right stuff. It's knowing how to apply the truth of God's Word in your life today. How do you live skillfully in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? And that sounds simple. And sometimes it is very simple. And sometimes it's very confusing. And it's complex. And we, don't, we run into problems and we just say, I, I really I don't know what to do. 
I don't know how to handle this. I mean, if I, if I look at this verse, it seems like I should do this. If I look at this verse, it seems like I should do that. It's not that they're contradictory. It's just God gives us a lot of options and, and encourages us to seek the Spirit's wisdom to know how to apply rightly the Word of God to our lives. We have the Spirit to help us. You may be up against some problems or some decisions in your life, and you're just scratching your head and you're not sure what to do. We've all been there. Can I tell you, the Spirit is there to help you. The Holy Spirit is there to give you wisdom. You can go and ask Him for that wisdom and then wait for the wisdom that He will give and then follow that wisdom. But isn't it a great comfort to know that the Spirit of God can give us the wisdom we need to live rightly? Stephen experienced that. Even though his witness cost him his life, I guarantee you he would say it was worth it because in the wisdom the Spirit gave him, he pleased God. And when we're in those confusing moments, that should be our number one goal. Not what's easiest, not what's most pleasing to me. Our number one goal should be, what does it look like to please God? And when we don't know the answer to that, we can lean into the Spirit to direct us. So that's the third thing. The Spirit empowers, the Spirit encourages, the Spirit gives wisdom. The Spirit can also bring joy. Acts 13.52 we read that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I don't think that it's a coincidence that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were filled with joy. In fact, this is exactly how Luke will describe Jesus in Luke 10, 21. He says, Jesus is full of joy through the Holy Spirit. If we are lacking joy in our life, guess who can help us with that? The Holy Spirit. If you're missing joy in your life, have you asked the Spirit to help fill you up with joy? If not, why not? Why not ask Him? Holy Spirit, I, I am losing joy. I can't find it. I need your help. Will you fill me up with joy? Would you give me your joy? And you know what often is going to happen is the Holy Spirit will draw your attention around to this truth that we are so blessed in Jesus that our greatest joy is to know that God knows we are sinners and did something about it. That God sees that we are faulty, that we fail to live up to his standards. That while the spirit is holy, we are not in and of ourselves. But there is one who has come to make us holy. Jesus. And Jesus is coming to us and ministering to us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's drawing us to Jesus and preparing us to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's the Spirit that dwells in us. The Spirit so works in tandem with Jesus and the ministry of Jesus that there's a couple times in Scripture where it's not the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. Not because they're one and the same. They're distinct persons, you understand. But their ministry is so closely united that the Holy Spirit could be called the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Because they're working together. Remember, the Spirit's job, His main intention is to draw our attention to Jesus. And when we are lacking that joy, often what the Spirit will do, He will draw our attention back to Christ. 
and what he's already done for us. Because sometimes we lack joy and we think we need to add something to our lives to get it. But often enough, the reason we don't have joy is because we've forgotten what we already have received. And there is no greater gift that we can receive than the person of Jesus himself. Now, all that's well, hopefully you, you hear that, hopefully that's helpful to you. But let's be honest, this felt experience of the Spirit kind of comes and goes. Sometimes that's just life. Sometimes we feel the presence of God more than at other times. And we don't give up on God just because we don't feel His presence, just like we shouldn't give up on our marriage because we don't feel in love. No, we keep acting in faith. We keep choosing to love. We keep investing in the relationship whether we feel it or not. But there are times where we don't feel the presence of God and it's not just because of the ebbs and flows of a relationship with God. It's because we are no longer listening to the Spirit. We're no longer obeying the Spirit. And my great hope for this sermon is that you would hear what the Spirit does. You would want more of the Spirit in your life. But the truth is there may be some roadblocks. There may be some reasons why you're not experiencing the presence of the Spirit in your life. And there may be some things that the Spirit wants to do so that you can experience more of Him. Here's what we learn in Acts and elsewhere, but just focusing in on Acts. This is pretty cool, I think. Is that the Bible is written by humans, right? We know that. The Bible did not just land from heaven in its totality. Human beings over centuries, have written down things, and those things, those letters, those notes, uh, have been put together in a thing we call the Bible, right? But what we know from Scripture itself is that there's someone who stands behind those human authors that gives them the wisdom and the insight to record what the Bible says is the very words of God. Who is that? It's the Spirit. The scriptures is God speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, through people who wrote down what the Spirit put on their hearts to write. So we read the Bible and we are reading God's word to us. Here's a few samplings. Acts 1.16, we read the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit said. Acts 4.25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And then a psalm is quoted from the Old Testament. Acts 28, 25, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet. Are you catching all that? Those who are quoted in the, in the book of Acts as saying, I'm about to quote to you Old Testament scripture just as the Spirit instructed those folks to write down. They recognize that the Old Testament is written through the Holy Spirit, and we can recognize that the New Testament joins in with that. The whole of the Bible, the Spirit stands behind it as its divine author. And when we take what God's Word says and we ignore it, or we downplay it, or we give up on it, when the Spirit has spoken and we ignore what He says, we should not be surprised that we're experiencing less and less of them in our lives. Peter gives this amazing speech to the religious folks in his day in the second half of Acts chapter 2. We didn't cover it. And he, he's quoting Joel and he says, you know, 
God promised the Spirit to come. The Spirit's going to do this kind of stuff, like, like speaking prophetic words and, and all, this, all these things you're seeing God promised a long time ago. And he's, he's going through all of this. And Peter, Peter gets to the end of his speech, and they say, well, what do we do with this? And, and Peter says, here's what you do. You repent. You accept Jesus. And you receive the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what you need to do. And for some here today, maybe that's your next step. Repent just means to turn away from that old life, that old way of thinking, and turn your mind's attention and your, and your heart's desires and your whole being's direction, turn it towards God. That's repentance. Turning away from sin and self and turning towards God. And if that's your first step, you've never made that step, guess what? That's when the Holy Spirit comes into your life. For others of us, we've made that decision. But again, there's things that the Bible says that we don't like, and so we ignore it. We throw it out. We downplay it. In some places, we even celebrate it. And if we're a Christian, of course that should never be. And if we do that, of course we shouldn't be surprised that we're not experiencing more of the Spirit in our lives. Because the Spirit says, I've already talked to you. I've already shared my heart with you. I've already told you what's important to me. I've already given you direction. I've given you the wisdom. I've given you the power. I've given you everything you need. And you're just, you're not interested. So it may be that we're not experiencing the Spirit in our life because we haven't come to that place of repentance and receiving Christ or it may be that this, we've done that, but, but we have dulled the Spirit in our life by our own actions. Here's the good news of God. He's always ready to receive us when we turn to Him. God is ready to... There will come a day where you won't have that chance. But if you're living and breathing in here today, today's not that day. Today you have a chance. If you want the Spirit in your life, repent and receive Christ. If you want to experience more of the Spirit in your life, examine your heart and ask God to show you where you've been ignoring Him and repent and turn to Him. Because, y'all, we need the Spirit. And the Spirit wants to show up. He wants to fill us up. He wants to give us all those good gifts that we read about earlier. God wants us to have this gift of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to take that gift, unwrap it, and enjoy it. And it is ours to receive. Let's pray. Father God, can we just say thank you for the Holy Spirit? That when Jesus left this earth, you did not leave us alone. That what you've called us to do is not up to our own strength, our own wisdom, but your Holy Spirit dwells in us to give us all that we need to please you with our lives. But God, I know myself and others in this room would say, but we have failed. God, would your spirit send encouragement? Would your spirit send joy into the hearts of those who want to live up to what you've called us to do and they fail? Would you send your Holy Spirit to remind them that Jesus succeeded where we have failed? God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. That we would want more of him in our lives whether that begins with first receiving Christ or whether that is examining and seeing where we have disregarded the Spirit and what He has shown us in the Word of God. 
And we just pray that you'd be at work in this place. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we.